0: Why, hey there. My name is Darcy Jeremy. You're listening to another episode of the Business of Ergonomics podcast. And in this episode, we're talking about one of the biggest questions that I get as a ergonomics educator and consultant. What is the most common ergonomic solution? What I reveal is going to be surprising. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Business of Ergonomics podcast. I'm your host, Darcy Jeremy. I'm a board-certified professional ergonomist with over 15 years of experience delivering ergonomics programs to employers of all different types. In this podcast, I share what other healthcare professionals are already doing and being with ergonomics assessments and how to land those clients that you dream of. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode right now. Yesterday, I was talking to a student in a health and safety program, and it was a really interesting conversation, so much so that I think one of the questions she asked me inspired me to do an entire podcast about it. Because it's not the first time I've received a question like this. The question being, what is the most common ergonomic solution? And um, it was a general question. It didn't relate to the office. It didn't really relate to industry. Because that alone would have so many differences between them that would almost be impossible to compare. So. What I did in this specific instance is answered with almost a non-answer, but what I was attempting to do was give clarity to the bigger um, picture when it comes to our role as ergonomists, ergonomics professionals, whether or not you're doing this as a full-time job, a side gig, or just as a value-added service that's aligned with what you're already doing professionally. This is going to work for you, and it all has to do with how we can leverage the best solutions to fit what our clients' needs are. Now, if you take a step back, of course, what I want to share with you is, first of all, how do we determine what's going to make the best type of solutions for our clients then I want to talk about what the type of, what are the best types of solutions out there. And it falls under probably a little something different than what maybe you've heard up to this point um, about ergonomics. And if you're part of my ergonomics blueprint program, um, you've probably heard this before, but I'm going to be sharing this on the podcast. So first of all, what dictates, dictates the types of solutions is having to do with the severity of the challenge or the problem. And severity both has to do with the operational impact of whatever we're seeing and operationally more is in tune with um, probably more of the industrial settings that we have because there's a much clearer relationship with the productivity that is on a line or on the shop floor with the output or the efficiency that the system is going to have. And there's the classic example of reducing the reach distance of an assembly plant when we're putting together widgets, okay? So if we can reduce the reach reach distance, you're going to be saving so much time per cycle, and that's going to lead to more efficient efficiency in the process and going to reduce the ergonomic load on that person as well so that's a win-win situation but what I want to talk about this too is the severity of the discomfort symptoms and that's going to dictate dictate the type of solution that's warranted that has to do with whether or not there is a workers compensation type of injury or claim um, whether or not it is a time loss claim or it's just healthcare claim, both of those are extremely important to note when we're deciding on the type of solutions that's going to be the most impactful in that situation. Understanding and doing your own due diligence to have both of those factors at play before you recommend anything is going to be huge for you. And last and not least, before we jump in the types of solutions that are out there, is doing your due diligence as an ergonomics professional, consultant, side hassler, however you want to identify yourself. But you want to figure out what type of budget is available. Because one of the most controversial things as an ergonomics prof- professional is to say that there are multiple ways to skin a cat. I know I'm a little, I'm whispering a bit when I'm saying this because it's something that I don't want to have the mental imagery of. I do think it's important to say that there are multiple ways to solve a problem. There's multiple budgets. There's multiple um, things to consider when we're making recommendations. And if we're able to have a frame of what the budget is before we start down the roots of identifying the ergonomic risk and coming up with solutions, it's going to give us so much more insights in what we can recommend and how we can recommend it. Okay. Um, and it's really important too that you are getting this information from a resource that is going to be closer to budgetary um, concerns. So I say this because sometimes if you are doing, a, let's say, an office ergonomic assessment, the person that you're talking to. Um, That client whose workstation that you're assessing may not have a bigger picture view of what the budgetary plans are for the next year, quarter, whatever you want to frame. And I'm saying that not that we need to be skimpy and make solutions that um, are not going to have a big impact on the ergonomic um well wellness and the ergonomic aspects of that person's setup i'm saying this because there are always high impact low cost solutions and we have to be mindful of budgets when we're making that solution for the reason that we want to have a worthwhile relationship with those people okay so i've set this up i've set this up about the severity and all these factors that we need to keep in our back pocket when we want to make the most common ergonomic solution or the best, let's say, the best possible ergonomic solution for our clients. And the way I want to phrase this next part of the podcast is that there's a hierarchy. There is a hierarchy of ergonomic solutions out there. And depending on where you get your information, how to do learn how to do ergonomics assessment, office ergonomic assessments, what the background of that person is who's teaching this has major implications on the types of solutions that are recommended in ergonomic assessments. This is huge, everybody. This really is huge because Someone, maybe with a background in PT or Cairo or OT, who is teaching how to do ergonomics assessments and solutions, may be missing the most high impact, low cost types of solutions. And that's why I think of what I bring to the table with the ergonomic blueprint is so special. And there is a hierarchy that you should be using for every single solution because this is based off literature. It's not just based off what um, I guess what theoretical or what, uh, I like to teach. Um, and I say literature, both that there's been, um, a lot of evidence to say that this is the most valuable way to present solutions. And of course I've been setting this up. I've been setting up these pins just to knock them down. I'm ready. I am ready right now to talk to you about the hierarchy of ergonomic controls and why it is so important. First, I want to talk about the most valuable ergonomic control and it is engineering control hands down whatever ergonomic aspect that you have ever been a part of the most common ergonomic solution has to do with engineering types of solutions and you might be asking yourself okay that's really cool what is an ergonomic uh, engineering solution well my friends that is when you engineer out the ergonomic risk out of that situation. And the reason why this is so valuable is that we can only rely on our client to remember um, and their habits to, to, you know, sit properly. If I'm sure you've heard that um, term when we're talking about office ergonomic assessments, or if you're more in the industrial setting, how to lift properly. And it may be polarizing to say that, the effectiveness of that based on literature is very, very low because you're relying on your ergonomic intervention entirely on that person's memory. So that's not effective. It is not effective. Mm -hmm. And me working with workers' compensation board, my own ergonomics program, and consulting to hundreds and hundreds of companies, it's a lot more valuable to engineer out the challenge. And engineering is is something that encapsulates any sort of change to the physical nature of that job. And it could be just as easy as raising that person up in the chair or um, raising the monitor up with either books, a monitor, a laptop stand, um, or getting an adjustable monitor in the office, or um, raising something off the floor in industry. All of these go hand in hand with reducing the exposure to engineering or ergonomic risks. Okay. So I want, I really want you to keep that in mind. That is the most high impact and it can be low cost when it comes to reducing the amount of ergonomic risk. Always hands down engineering solutions. The second, most valuable types of solution has to do with administrative solutions. Administrative solutions has to do with reorganization, how that job is performed in terms of the administrative aspect of it. Certain more popular ways to do this is through what's called job rotation. Job rotation is where one person shifts through a number of different jobs or tasks to reduce the ergonomic risk on just one part of the body. It's effective, but it must be managed and you must know what you're shifting that person into for the other task or the other job because we don't want to expose them to um, more ergonomic risk. Basically what you're doing is shifting that person with many other jobs in order to reduce the ergonomic risk on just one part of the body to give that part of the body some rest the other part of administrative controls is with job enrichment job enlargement and that's when you expand the total number of jobs that that person is responsible for again to reduce the amount of ergonomic load on just one part of the body. And again, it does take some administrative um, controls in terms of really managing that shift between multiple jobs. You really have to pay close attention to what the ergonomic risks are, and there should be a really close management of that whole rotation or enlargement to ensure that we are going doing our due diligence for that person and those groups of people that are doing the job rotation. The big thing here, here is that I hope you've noticed that I haven't even talked about stretching yet. I haven't talked about stretching and we're going on the third most valuable ways to improve the ergonomics of our clients. And I'm just going to talk about it right now. I'm talking about behavioral. Behavioral solutions are number three. What's a behavioral st- solution? Well, that would include um, changes to that person's habits during the day um it could be um it it could be that we want to implement a braking st- strategy micro breaks um sometimes people like to talk about stretching at this point i i personally have never recommended stretching in any ergonomic assessment that i've ever done and and i get results from my clients so think about that um but these are things that are third on the list, because again, we're relying on that person to put these into play and to manage the ergonomic risk in this way. So, the next thing I want to talk about, and this is our last aspect here that we're going to consider in the hierarchy of ergonomic controls, is what I like to call personal protective equipment. And that is possibly the least effective at. Um uh, at reducing the ergonomic concerns, however, it is effective if you combine it with other aspects, and that's the next thing that I want to talk about um now, what I mean by personal protective equipment these are comfort items these are comfort items, and what this means is like it would be padding um wrist rests or anti fatigue mats, things like that things that can enhance. Your solutions enhance your engineering solutions, but um, by themselves won't be that effective. And this brings into the other aspect of ergonomics is that to be, you know, a really complex, a really intuitive process of combining all these aspects together. A really cool way of doing this is combining the engineering with the administrative, with the behavioral, and with the personal protective equipment. That way, we get to cover all of these aspects together. However, as an ergonomic professional or a consultant or a side hustler, however you want to identify yourself, focusing your solutions on engineering solutions that engineer out the ergonomic risk is going to be the most valuable way to make an impact to your clients. And there you have it guys. Um episode 28 is in the books. Please let me know if you're finding these podcast episodes useful to you, if it's changing your perspective about ergonomics, and I can't wait to talk to you soon. Until next time, have a fantastic day. So, if you like what you heard in this podcast episode and you want to learn more, you want to learn how other healthcare professionals are already adding office ergonomic expertise to their services and practice, I have a training for you. All you have to do is head to ergonomicshelp.com slash learn dash ergo. That's ergonomicshelp.com slash learn dash ergo, and you can get started today.